Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Well, good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen. My friend Angela and her family are in Alaska this week, taking in all all the sights, um, all the experiencing, all the experiences. I am wondering if they trained their attention on the Western Horizon, if they might have seen the constellation of Russia, Russian and Chinese vessels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Um, Well, since the invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, Russia and China have certainly intensified their uh, military and economic partnerships. But last week, did you know that a combined Russian and Chinese naval force, quote, patrolled near the coast of Alaska? Mm -hmm. Eleven Russian and Chinese ships. Now, they didn't cross into U.S. territorial waters, but like, you know, right there on the edge of it. They remained in international waters, but their course was uh, very, very near the Aleutian Islands. And the presence of this Russian and Chinese flotilla provoked a U.S.-Canadian response that included scrambling uh, P-8 Poseidon aircraft and a number of Navy vessels, including four U.S. destroyers. So you say to yourself, well, maybe this happens a lot. No, apparently this is kind of a historical first. Um, And uh, it's all considered very provocative. And with all that's going on in terms of uh, the behavior of Russian and Chinese pilots in relationship not only to U.S. manned aircraft, but to U.S. drones, um, there, you know, it's you're just sort of like, right at the verge of an accident is waiting to happen. So let's be praying for cooler heads to prevail. Let's be praying for a cycling down of hostilities. But let's also just, you know, absolutely remember and pay attention to the fact that Russia and China are seeking to reshape the global narrative. There's just no question about that. You simply cannot deny um, that reality and that truth. Their authoritarian aggression is is evident, um, obviously, in Ukraine and and certainly in terms of China in in relationship to um, the South China Sea and and increasingly Taiwan. So um, we haven't done an update recently on uh, on how the Chinese are directly um, uh, treating Christians, but let me just bring you up to up to date on a few facts here of recent import. Last month, Pastor. Yang Jibo and his wife, um, they lead uh, they lead a particular church. They were fined a combined um, four hundred thousand uh, yen, uh, roughly fifty five thousand dollars, because they organize religious activities without state registration. And their church has had to move a number of times because it has been raided and their property destroyed. Um, and the CCP has continued to rewrite portions of the Bible. I mean, if you weren't offended yet by what the Chinese government is up to, 
maybe the rewriting of portions of the Bible in an effort to have Chinese Christians um, serve the state rather than serve God and have the children of of Chinese Christians learn something that's actually contrary to what God has said in his word, um, maybe <clears throat> maybe that would get your ire up. So let's be praying for our brother, brothers and sisters in Christ, and let's be praying for, um, you know, God's... God's will to prevail and for people to be um, people to be free and live free and for the freedoms we enjoy to be protected. We're going to talk with our friend Elizabeth Newman next. She's a security analyst. And so I'm going to ask her what she makes of the news that the U.S. military has been cyber attacked and that critical infrastructure systems are um, are at risk. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Elizabeth Newman is back. She's a security analyst, and she works with the Moonshot Group. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Carmen. All right, so what do you make of the news last week that the U.S. military has been cyber-attacked and its critical infrastructure systems um, infected with Chinese malware uh, that, I guess, potentially the CCP could use to disrupt electric, water, and other critical services? Yeah, you know, there's a part of me that's like, oh, good, I'm glad we finally found it, because we knew mm. that this was China's game, right? They they have been very provocative, as you just talked about in the previous segment. Um, they are testing boundaries, they're trying to reshape the, the power dynamic, um, and they are quite capable in the cyber domain. So, there's there's been kind of an assumption that they've been trying to do this. It, it's actually kind of good news that we um, seem to have discovered it. My guess is the fact that this got leaked to the New York Times. Um, there might be a strategic reason to let China know that we know that they're there. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that it creates risk. Um, malware is software that's designed to disrupt or damage uh, or gain unauthorized access to a computer system. And we use computer systems to run our power grids, our comm systems, water supplies, um, all sorts of really core infrastructure that if it's disrupted for more than a you know few hours or a few days can really start to threaten life. And the particular concern here is that it appears that they have been targeting uh, military bases, which, um, there's two concerns there. One is if they were planning to do some sort of um, more provocative action or perhaps an attack on Taiwan um, with just a few keystrokes, they might be able to disrupt our military's ability to respond. Um, so that is most likely the the reason behind the malware. It's a, a what we call prepping the battlefield, which mm. you know you go back into war history. That is a normal um, part of warfare. It's just that we used to have to do it kinetically. You had to send people behind enemy lines to sabotage certain capabilities. Or when we had air power, you would send aircraft to take out power strips and, or sorry, power and airstrips and, and other uh, key infrastructure before your attack really goes into full force. Now you can just use a computer to do it. Um, but mm. so can our enemies against us. Um, so some of the advantage that we've had historically being so remote from so many of our enemies, having these huge oceans between us, 
when it comes to the cyber domain, we are now much, much closer and much more, much more at risk. But I, just one other concern here is that the way that those systems work, the power that's offered to military bases and the water, that's connected to U.S. Uh, general population as well. So it could have a cascading effect um, and impact U.S. citizens beyond just the military community. So for all of these reasons, it needs to be taken seriously. And yet at the same time, there's an aspect here that, um, uh, you know, China is in a process of intimidating us. And so it's important for us to, to stand firm and say we're not going to be intimidated. Um, so I was thinking, I grew up in Tampa, and so I was thinking, you know, at the end of the peninsula that is the city of Tampa um, is MacDill Air Force Base. And I was thinking about um, the natural gas. I was thinking about um, the water supply. I was thinking about electricity, those kinds of things in relationship to not only MacDill Air Force Base, but obviously the community, the city that is reliant on all the same systems. And so I think that helping helping me bring like one community that I'm very familiar with and I can like see the geography in my mind and I'm like yeah they're all dependent on the same systems. Like there's no you can't you can't decouple those um in that particular environment. And then I guess you would think across the country about places that you know are uh, are somewhat remote, but what is out there is is a military um, installation and a community that exists in large measure um, around that um, or, you know, connected to it in intimate ways. I suspect those are the two scenarios where we're talking about civilian populations being particularly impacted by uh, or potentially impacted by this situation. Yes, I, th- I think that's a great way to think about it, Carmen. And um, there's there's also a a third impact, which is um, cascading. And it's sometimes hard to predict where where those um, critical points are. So you you might have an enemy decide to take out uh, an, a city or, a, um, or sorry, I, I should say a military installation it, that's near a city and it affects that city. But perhaps within that city is our... Um, primary source for a certain type of pharmaceutical. And we actually mm. saw that a tornado in North Carolina recently that t- took out uh, a plant that provides, um, you know, a number of pharmaceutical, like it's the primary uh, production center for a certain type of pharmaceutical. And now there's a shortage. And one of the things that we learned during COVID is for all of our efficiencies and outsourcing and globalization, we've become as uh, very dependent on single sources for certain types of um, now critical um, supplies. And, and that's not good. <laughs> we need redundancy in the system. And until that redundancy gets built up, um, any sort of uh, cyber attack has this potential for an unintended consequence. You know, they may have been focusing on uh, one piece of critical infrastructure like energy or power, but it also turns out to affect some sort of manufacturing capability or some sort of, uh, you know, chip development. And then all of a sudden, um, everybody else across the country is affected because this one capability in one part of the country is taken out. So it that's the weird or 
challenging part uh, about cyber warfare is that the whether you're offensively doing it or um, trying to protect against it, uh, often the people running the attack don't actually know what's going to happen, which is very different than, say, dropping a bomb, right? Um, you you kind of know that the, where that's going to impact um, and what that does to the battlefield. Here, you kind of launch an attack and it, it could uh, have that unintended consequence or it can... <laughs> viruses can go rogue and go in places you didn't intend. Um, and since we are so new at it, there's just so much that we don't know. Um, and I, I think I think in our generation, we're going to have some sort of moment where cyber becomes, um, you know, really changes our, and disrupts our life, uh, hopefully not permanently. Um, but, but it is kind of this wild west and we're still waiting for, for that doomsday scenario to to take place where everybody kind of takes a step back and goes, okay, we need to be a little bit more responsible about how we do this. It's just fascinating. All right. We're talking with Elizabeth Newman. When we come back, we're going to talk about the beginning of the school year and what has her attention as a mom and an expert in national security. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, how are you getting ready for the school year um, where I live? Some kids went back to school today. Others are going to go back to school tomorrow. I know that there are some places across the country where you know, you're not going back to school for another month, but um, colleges are getting ready for students to move back in. Um, maybe you're having move up Sunday at church. So as we start to think about getting back to school, what has your attention? Elizabeth Newman is with us today. She's a security analyst and she works with the Moonshot Group. Elizabeth, I'm wondering, um, as a mom um, and as a national security expert, what has your attention as you head back to school? Uh, so many things, but the first thing I want to say is that um, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff here, but it's really important that uh, as adults and as parents, we shoulder the burden and we don't pass that on to our kids. So it should be a happy time of year, uh, new beginnings, and um, helping kids get through the normal anxiety of going back to school. I have a, a daughter who um, has to do a lot of talking about uh, meeting new friends. She's starting a new school this year. And, and what is that going to be like? And so that's like the normal type of childhood um, anticipation and anxiety. And, that, and that's good. And we want to relish that and, and cherish that. Um, but as parents, we also sadly need to be hyper aware of the um, propensity for violence in our country. We're in the ninth year of uh, a sharp rise in mass attacks in public spaces, including schools. Um, and there's no indication that that is waning, um, that, but rather that it's still 
expected to increase for the foreseeable future. And so for that reason, we also have to um, be aware of two things for our kids. One is um, age appropriately that they uh, know what actions to take um, if they're in a, in a public space, including a school where violence uh, might occur. And most schools have protocols in place. So, so especially when they're younger, it's just reemphasizing like, Hey, you need to listen to your teacher um, and make sure you, you know, you know, if there's a tornado drill, you follow their instructions. If there's any sort of safety drill, you follow their instructions. You don't need to go into the details and then, Quite frankly, um, unless there's a another reason in your in your circumstances, you don't really need to uh, go into details with young children. But as they get older and get exposed, uh, either through their friends or perhaps they saw something on TV, it is important to open that dialogue with kids. Um, we I, I wish we could shelter them longer, but um, sadly. Uh, they tend to find out uh, about these things and become more aware in that uh, tween range of 8 to 12. And it's important that you start the dialogue so that you have they, they feel safe coming to you and asking questions. Um, the other piece that's really important, and I, and I don't know that we as a Christian community are doing as much as we should in this space, and it's, it's the online space. It, we are increasingly, especially after COVID, our kids are spending a lot of time online. Um, separate conversation about whether that's good or not. Uh, but um, regardless of how much time they're spending online, the reality is um, there are people with evil intent that prey on our kids um, through seemingly innocuous uh, apps like um, it, you know, they, they might just be playing Roblox. And if your permissions are not set appropriately, it can be very easy for someone to introduce, um, you know, sexually explicit content or um, violent uh, content or just even extremist ideas. And many of these uh, movements are, are kind of sophisticated in how they do it. They, they don't usually come right at kids they, they do what we call grooming. They um, introduce them to safer topics and then over time um, can move them into something that if you heard your child say, you go, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a racist slur or, oh my goodness, that's, you know, sexually explicit. And they probably don't even know that innuendo um, and yet they've been exposed to it online. So what you can do is start having those conversations early in that eight to 12 range um, age appropriate, of course. And this is when they're more open to learning from you. Um, and you want to teach them about what it looks like to see um, hateful content and to reject that or to recognize when they're being bullied online or when somebody else might be bullied online. And if your school is not offering like digital literacy or cyber civics programs, you can easily access free programs online for your kids. And then that's important to do early because when they're teens, they're less likely to just voluntarily come to talk to you unless you've opened that door. So um, when they're teens is when we get more concerned um, that they could become vulnerable to radicalization. And if you've started the conversation early, then one, they've already built some protective factors up, but two, it also gives you a way um, to, to enter into a conversation if you see concerning behavior. 
So um, the details of what concerning behavior is and, and which websites to be concerned about, um, quite frankly, it, it's a lot of in the weed stuff. So I wanna just point you to some resources. There's a, a website called screenhate.org that has information about uh, what to look out for and how to talk to your children. Um, the uh, there is a common sense media which has a, a, a page that or an article that explains where kids find hate online, um, and then the ADL has a, a number of resources to help. Um, basically train young people. It's a toolkit for parents, but it's how to help young people counter extremist recruitment. They also have this amazing database that shows you like signs and symbols of hate because a lot of the ways that hate is communicated online is actually through pictures and memes. And so us adults might not even realize um, that what they think is funny and the kid might not even realize that um, it has this uh, racist undertone or extremist um, origin. Um, but we as parents can try to, if we see something that looks funny, we can go to this database and see like, is this related to, you know, a, a neo-Nazi group or a, a other hate group um, and and then be able to talk to our kids. So the, the most important thing here is to keep that open line of communication, educate yourself. And if you see signs of concern, get help. Don't, mm. don't try to, um, you know, clam up or, uh, keep it to yourself. There are plenty of resources out there. People want to help you. We're not trying to get kids in trouble. We're trying to help kids move them off any sort of pathway to violence. That's so helpful. That's so helpful. Um, I will add to that um, filter first. If you at your local school or in your county um, or through whatever school organization you're a part of don't have a program like filter first, um, let me just encourage you to check that out. We've had um, we've had their representatives on to talk about it. They are Christians. It's not a quote unquote Christian program, but filterfirst.org, um, a great resource on this topic as well. Screenhate.org, commonsensemedia.org, and um, and the ADL. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much and blessings. Thank you, Carmen. Have a great week. You too. You too. Let's take a break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, well, there's uh, gremlins in the in the uh, system this morning, so that audio is not running from Breakpoint. So apologize for that. Um, we talked earlier today with our friend Dave Buring. I participated in the leadership games, um, and uh, we thought it would be fun to actually talk with some young people who were there and participated. So when you think about how you are connecting as a godly seasoned leader in your vocation with people who are younger than you, um, how's that going? Uh, do you need a deliberate disciple-making model? Uh, do you need, you know, do you, do you need some help figuring out, hey, I want to be pouring into the life of younger people. I just don't know how to connect with them and, and make that happen. Well, that's what's um, that's sort of the vision of uh, the leadership games uh, to serve as a catalyst for that kind of connection generation to generation between Christians who share the same vocation um, and can walk with one another as older and younger leaders um, along the journey of discipleship. So uh, Laura Hibna, Hib, excuse me, Hibma is going to be here with us um, representing Lion Share. She really is the 
um, is the energy behind how it all happened. And she also um, happens to be from Minnesota. So she's back in Minnesota with some of her friends in Marshall, Minnesota, who participated in the Leadership Games. And so Laura's going to join us along with um, three of her friends, Luke Dorman, Cooper Martins, and Hannah Meyer. So it should be a fun time. We're going to catch up with young people about their experience uh, in terms of being discipled by other Christians in their vocations. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, let me start by saying if you want to know more and have questions about not just LionShare, but LionShare's leadership games in particular, you can email Laura um, at laura at lionshare.org. So that's going to be the best question if you're listening right now. And I don't ask the questions that you um, want to ask. That's going to be the best way to do that. So Laura Hibma is joining us today from the LionShare leadership team. She's my friend. Um, she now lives in the greater Nashville area, but she moved to Nashville from Marshall, Minnesota. And so she has a bunch of friends in Marshall. She's with a lot of them right now. Um, and so, Laura, good morning. Introduce us uh, to the friends you're with today. Good morning, Carmen. Um, yes, I have Cooper Martins here, Luke Dorman and Hannah Meyer, and Emily Meyer, Morgan and Wayne Will, Caden Martins, and Miriam Adewale. Does everybody have a, a coffee with Carmen mug, and is it filled with something tasty? Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we so you know I personally... Personally, I'm gonna need a gonna need a group group shot of that because that that is really fun. Um, Laura, why don't we just start with you telling us, um, you know, like you you actually made a career change in order to take this project on. So I'm kind of wondering about you know the 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 passion that you have for this conversation today, where Christians would be pouring into emerging uh, generations. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. About a year ago, the Lord led me to the greater Nashville area just to um, join Dave Beering and his team at LionShare for discipleship ministry. And it's it's been kind of a wild ride, but it's been a huge blessing to be part of a ministry that pours into um, younger adults and different churches and organizations just with discipleship ministry, with the discipleship tools that we have. And it's just something that's very life-giving. I've had a lot of opportunities to be part of this ministry relationally, administratively, and it's really been just a blessing to work with this organization. Um, And this is actually something, Laura, that you have done pretty naturally in your life. Um, Tell us how you have relationships with the people in the room um, right now. Like, where where did you, how, how do you know these people? Um, uh, great question. Um, about half of these people, um, were part of the school, True Light Christian School here in Marshall, Minnesota. And, um, three of the four girls that are here, I actually hired before I made my career change and moved to Nashville. So, um, and one of them was actually one of my former students. So there's been a lot of relational, um, currency here in the Marshall area. Just, I've invested a lot into the people here, into the school here, and just a lot of years of friendships and relationships. And and then some of the other people here I've done ministry with and led with and taught with. And 
something that's really special is there's probably four or five churches represented here um, just in the Marshall area around our table this morning. And it's just been a unifying thing to be part of the greater church here in Southwest Minnesota. I love that. Um, All right. So introduce us to um, uh, either Luke or Cooper or Hannah um, so that I can ask them a question. All right. We'll start with Luke Dorman here. Well, you got to tell us something about him. Okay. (laughs) All right. Luke Dorman is um, a pastor here at Grace Life Church um, here in Marshall. He was also a seventh grade math teacher at the True Light Christian School. And Luke and I have been friends for about 10 years. All right, Luke, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Good to be here. Okay, um, so you you were a seventh grade math teacher, and now you are a pastor. How are those two things the same? That's a great question, Carmen. It, you know, it's, I don't know if you ever heard the term derivatives. No, but uh, <laughs> uh, it, it was actually a God story. Um, uh, my grandma passed away when I was just graduating college. I signed a contract to teach high school math in War Road, Minnesota, way up at the top of Minnesota, and uh, went to the funeral. And on the way back, had a layover in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, met a guy from Marshall, Minnesota, who was flying for a different business that he was part of, who had just taken over a church in Marshall, Minnesota. And uh, my dad was talking to him and ended up having a conversation. And he said, you should come and do youth and worship ministry in Marshall. And um, I said, no, I'm going to be a math teacher. And he said, you should pray about it. So I did. And long story short, three years later, he called and offered me a position or asked if I would apply. And I started stepping through the door and God made it very clear, gave me a piece. And I moved from the top of Minnesota down to the southernmost part of Minnesota uh, to be a teacher and move to a place where I really didn't know anybody. So, um, Luke, when you when you think about the experience of the leadership games, um, and when you think about having older Christians or more seasoned Christians interested in pouring into you um, as a young person in your vocation, um, like just describe maybe your the value of this kind of ministry and this uh, and this experience in particular? It's a good question, Carmen. I would say the experience was really, it's hard to put a value on it. I would say it's invaluable in the, in the sense that um, it's something I've been desiring, praying for, and oftentimes it's, it's just sometimes hard to find. And so going and being part of the leadership games, I mean, even from the first meal, um, sitting down with a few of the people, realizing they have uh, a lot more miles under the tires than I do and have experienced a lot of things and just open to talk as well as uh, the commitment and willingness to invest in us was just, I was just so, so thankful and grateful uh, to be able to be the recipient of a, of a seasoned person willing to sacrifice some of their time to be able to walk with me as I try to do my best through Christ to shepherd and, and do ministry here in Marshall, Minnesota. I love that. I love that. All right. How about, um, Luke, could you introduce us to either Cooper or Hannah? Sure thing. So this sitting here next to me is Cooper Martins. 
He uh, is really good at board games, just FYI. So you got to be careful with that one. He's very competitive and has a, a contagious laugh and an amazing heart for God. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, hey, Cooper, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Yes, thank you. It's great to be here. All right. If if I were having dinner um, with you and some people, what board game would we play after dinner? <laughs> um, probably a, a more well-known board game that would be super fun would be Catan. Um, and making sure to use the expansion pack so you can get more people around the table. Um, but a, a new board game that my wife and I have found is called Splendor. Um, it's a it's a really fun game. You kind of have to be like a merchant, get different kinds of gems, and it can get really competitive and real spicy pretty fast. <laughs> All right. So um, at my family, we we play games after dinner almost every night, and whoever wins, um, you have to sing their victory song. Is this a practice in your home, or are you f- are not familiar with this? I am not familiar with that. <laughs> so I, I recommend this because um, it gives everybody an opportunity to choose a victory song. And then everyone has to sing it no matter who wins. So uh, I have one child who their song is the is, you know, the chicken song. So and you have to do the motions, um, you know, anyway. So I chose victory in Jesus at one point and then they just thought that was kind of offensive. So now I have a different victory song. But uh, <laughs> it. It, we're super competitive, but it gets you, um, you know, you're celebrating the other person's victory even when you lose. And so there you go. I commend the victory song approach to the end of your board game every night. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. So that'll be my uh, discipleship effort this morning. Um, talk with us, Cooper, about your experience at the leadership games. Yeah, my, my experience at the leadership games was... Um, was incredible. It was it was it was life changing. Um, God used it in a really powerful way. I remember in in preparation leading up to the leadership games, I felt like I just had a little grasp of maybe what I was going to be stepping into. Um, and then just throughout our time in Nashville, it just it it just unfolded layer by layer, session by session, day by day, um, and even person by person that we we had interactions with. Um, and just, yeah, super thankful for the leadership team with um, Lionshare and especially Dave and Laura, um, them putting this on and, and being so intentional about who they invited. Um, I think one of one of the components is that there are so many people that were in the older side of um, the discipler, the disciple maker side in, in the 40s to 70s that were from all over all over the world in different vocations, different life experiences. And then in the same way, the younger people in their twenties and thirties from all over, all over the world, so many different vocations. Um, And even though we didn't know each other going into it um, by the end of our week at Nashville, there was such a camaraderie um, amongst everyone that was there. um, That was just completely centered on the word of God on the person of God. Um, and it was just really, really beautiful um, the way that God used that that time. So the event then leads into this year-long discipleship journey with some of the people you met there. Um, mm-hmm. Has that already started? Are you already meeting? And then what what is that like? Yeah, so right away, um, we started meeting within our vocation. Um, I'm a part of the church vocation. 
And uh, the church vocation was big enough that we got split up into two sections. Um, so my my church vocation group, we meet um, online through Zoom. And um, we're working through the, a discipleship journey um, workbook, the Disciple Maker workbook with our vocation leaders. Um, and so what that looks like is we carve out an hour of our time about during the week um, to go through the lesson on our own, um, which the a discipleship journey booklet just really focuses in on the character and the nature of God in so many different facets. Um, and then we set us a specific time to meet together um, through Zoom to be able to discuss through um, three simple questions of what is the Holy Spirit revealed to you through this study this week? Um, and then the second question is, how are you going to obey that? So it brings in the act of obedience and the application right away. And then the third question is, how does this apply vocationally to you? So how do you take the scripture into your work life um, and the people that God has placed around you? All right, we're talking with Cooper Martins, Luke Dorman, Laura Hibma, and next up, Hannah Meyer. Um, we're going to have Cooper introduce us to his friend Hannah here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're talking about how um, older disciples like me or more seasoned disciples are pouring into the lives of um, of younger Christians who are, you know, on uh, their discipleship journey um, and also share, you know, in some way the vocation that we are in. So I'm engaged um, with some young women who I met during the leadership games, and we are um, in a year-long discipleship journey now together. And so we're going to um, continue this conversation about how that is all working itself out, maybe how it's a little bit different than what you might experience at Sunday school or what's going on in the regular rhythm of local churches. So we're continuing the conversation. You can find more at lionshare.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. Continuing our conversation now with friends uh, that I met at the Leadership Games recently. Uh, and so I thought it would be fun for you to share in this as well. You can find more information at lionshare.org. We just talked with Cooper Martins, and so I'm hoping that Cooper will now introduce us to Hannah Meyer. Yes. Hello. Hannah Meyer is one of my really close friends here in the Marshall area. She's a she's a fellow young adult. Um, we go to the same church together, and we've been um, a part of the same um, young adults life group Bible study for the last few years, which has been really great. Lots of game nights with her. Um, she is a teacher at True Light Christian School with my wife, um, and she's also the basketball coach for the True Light kiddos. Um, so I I got the pleasure to be an assistant coach helper on a few occasions, which was really really fun. So um, that's Hannah Meyer for you. All right, that is so fun. So, um, Hannah, I'm wondering, um, did you think that there would be games like basketball or board games at the leadership games? Yeah, so our helpful leader, Laura Hibma, you know, she makes sure we read the whole schedule. So I saw in the schedule there was going to be an area where we could go, you know, work out. There was going to be a gym we were going to have access to. So right away I knew we were going to have to play some basketball or volleyball for sure. And what happened? Was there, I think there was volleyball, yes? Yeah, we played some sand volleyball outside. Um, very hot, very sweaty, but it was good. It was a good workout in the middle of the day. 
That's so fun. Um, there were folks who talked about having some transformative experiences during the leadership games. Um, uh, could you maybe tell us one of those stories or your own? Yeah, for sure. So one thing that I've kind of been thinking about a lot lately since the leadership games um, was the social conversations um, every night. It was there was at least three nights where there was a social conversation and topics were race, politics and gender identity. So obviously really light topics. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, talking about that in a way that's biblical and how to walk out that in truth and love and um, a couple pieces that I remember were um, I can. Re- could you remember what was the guy's name who spoke and his role? Um, which night? The politics night. Um, yeah, Stephen. Right. Uh, man's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a few things he said that I kind of took with me were politics are hold your nose or hold your nose tighter. Um, it's not as black and white as you think and just how important it is to maintain unity um, in the church and as believers. Mm, so good. So good. Um, anything else, Hannah, from, um, you know, from the time together that you're like, this was really sticky for me. This is maybe different than what we experience in the rhythm of the local church. Um, because I do think that sometimes we need an experience out that's sort of outside of the ordinary, but we tend to only offer that, um, you know, like as late as high school or maybe college. But this seems unique to me that it's offered you know, a little bit later in life when you're you're thinking through more things and maybe differently. Yeah, totally. I feel like it's kind of expected that, you know, after high school, after college, you just got to figure it out. Um, and so I think the leadership games are really unique in that, that in your 20s and 30s, um, you can still be poured into not only spiritually, but in your vocation. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. Um, all right, I'm going to pitch this to the group, and you guys look around at each other and dis- and and decide um, who might uh, who might want to share something that changed the way you think about God or yourself. Um, some something that you feel like uh, during the leadership games was like a a wow God or an aha moment for you. Yeah, it's Cooper again. <laughs> um, so one one experience um, that was really life changing of the way that I viewed God. Um, there was an intentional night, and it was um, talking about and really diving in. What does it mean for God to be Father, and what does it mean for Him to be a good Father? Um, and I think it's it is so easy for us to um, have our view of God be shaped and formed. Um, by the relationships that we have in our life, experiences that we've maybe gone through, if they've been hard or difficult, um, and how it can just change our our view of who God is. Um, we we see in Scripture that we see God as Father, and that's an aspect that we can, you know, have it be intellectual, like in our mind we can comprehend, well, yeah, God is Father. Um, but what does it look like for him to be your personal Heavenly Father? Um, and so through that session, we covered um, a whole bunch of just attributes of who God is and how that shapes him to be a good father. Um, and during this session, um, it was specifically impactful for me because I, I didn't grow up with a, a godly father um, role model in my life. And so I, I always had this kind of disconnect of like, how well, how is God my perfect heavenly father and how does he actually um, love me fully um, and see me fully for who I am 
Um, and so during this session, um, they're really intentional about having all of the male leaders who were at the leadership games. They came down on the front of the floor in um, the hall that we were meeting in. And we had it open to anyone who felt um, led by the spirit to, to go down and to receive a father's blessing um, from any of the any of the older male um, leaders at the games. Um, and so that was it was really, really, really amazing. And so I immediately I shot up and I, I went over to um, one of the men who is actually in my vocational group as as my leader that I'm walking through for the next year. Um, and received a father's blessing. And even the little part of we were encouraged to keep our eyes open um, and, and to look the, look the man in the eyes that was speaking that over us. And I, I realized that I've, yeah, there's, there's things in the past that make it hard to receive even good affirmation, that doubt comes in. And it, it was just a really beautiful moment of being able to truly embrace um, what that looks like for, for our Heavenly Father to, to love us and to see us and to point out um, special promises um, that apply directly to us. Cooper, thank you. Thank you so much for, um, for sharing. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was impactful. It's particularly meaningful if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, I, I know that I need that. We want to we wanna invite you to receive the Father's blessing today. Um, God loves you. You are his favorite child. And you say, how can that be true? There's lots of people listening like, nah, how can we all be the favorite? You are. Every single, um, every single child is God's favorite. And so I want you to hear that today. I want you to receive it with an open heart and an, um, a mind that God wants to um, transform. He wants to um, replace the, the thoughts that the world has planted there that are negative and contrary to his view of you. Um, God really does want you to be held. Um, and so as you behold God today, just know that as a good, good father, he beholds you. You are beheld of the Father, um, and He loves you. Um, Laura, Luke, Cooper, Hannah, and the rest of the gang, thank you so much for being with us this morning on Mornings with Carmen. If you're listening right now, I'd love to connect with you online at MyFaithRadio.com. If you want me to send you any direct links to the leadership games, you know you can always text me, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right. Um, thank you to those of you engaging on the text line. I like uh, I like the person who says we played board games and whoever wins, they have to put the game away. Yeah, there you go. It does all go back in the box. That's a good thing for us to remember as well. Um, so let me encourage you today to seek the Lord and to uh, cast all your concerns and anxieties upon him. He loves you. He is a good, good father. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.